Sledge Lords, Adam and Danny, how you doing? It's been a turbulent week, has it not? <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've been a little down in the dumps, to be honest. Yeah. Have you been? Well, just I just feel like crap about like everything that happened, even though like you know I, I spoke about everything on the news the other day or whatever, mm-hmm. but just in general, just the fact that what we did on a podcast, regardless of how it then happened, ended up having a negative effect on somebody that I care about's life. Mm-hmm. It's what you get, Adam, for trying to be LGBTQ plus positive. That does occur to me now. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I should stay away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so it all. But hit you're me right late. though. Hanging out with people that think that it's tight to just expose people is a weird thing. I don't know how how likely that would be to ever happen again, but mm-hmm. it does kind of. Yeah. yeah, and let's be honest, she is in a couple of Venn diagrams, Gracie, that would all lead to somebody like being less trustworthy with secrets. Um, porn performer, escort, probably party girl. Uh, there are a couple of, of subcategories she belongs to that might make her a little loose-lipped. Right. So it's not all because she's trans. Right. You have mostly managed to stay out of the No Jumper drama since you've been here. I get sucked in this time around, and I not so much. I'm pretty good. You could probably tell from the way that I am late to respond to texts. I'm not very active on Instagram or Twitter during the week. My phone is on airplane mode. It's in a cupboard. I don't really do anything. A cupboard. It's in a cupboard, like the Indian. A literal cupboard. Mm-hmm. So you like to like just really have it away from any chance that you would be able to acknowledge it. If I can see it, I'm going for it. I'm so, going on so you're like trying to spend a lot of time being creative and writing and stuff like that. So you kind of that's the whole point with that. It's uh, I don't want to sound pretentious like uh, I, I can't have my artistic ambitions polluted by social media apps. But if you pick up your phone and you start scrolling Instagram, the effectiveness, y- your effectiveness in the day immediately declines by like 30 percent in my mind. Yeah. That's what I think. Oh uh, no, I completely agree. And also, when the room temperature is eighty-eight degrees Fahrenheit, and you're trying to do a podcast, you're thirty percent less effective too. It's on sixty-eight. It's brutal. That's not even like hot. That's not even hot by any. And I agree, it's a hot sixty-eight. It's way more than sixty-eight. I need to invest so, in some thermals. That's what I realized is that there's no way that I'm going to be able to continue to like exist as a human being unless I get some thermals or something because I'm freezing every moment of the day lately. You're like a chick, dude. I know. We'll get back to your chickness, but right. but my what happened is my girlfriend came home. She's like, "Yeah, I guess House Phone said he hates you and was talking a bunch of trash about you and Adam on the Disconnected podcast." And that's when I was like, "Ah, what happened here?" Because <laughs> from our perspective, we did the podcast with Gracie. Gracie announced that she and somebody who works with No Jumper had allegedly hooked up, and you and I were surprised astonished fairly yeah but i even more so than you i am like you said ignorant to the no jumper drama so i didn't know if this was something that had come out before it didn't seem the way she was so casual about it i didn't think it was that big of a deal and therefore i thought it was okay to be like oh okay this is probably coming out i can crack some jokes whatever after it came out you and i talked over text and you were hardcore we can't have this in here we're shutting this down we're going to cut every reference out and you and I agreed on that. And, like, you, and you were a little worried because you, you correctly were like, is there going to be a podcast left? Because she talked about that. 
for like a half hour. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And we referenced it so many times in lengths, in chunks varying from like five minutes of talking about it to just a couple quick one line references. So I understand how the editing staff might have had a hard time getting all of it out. But just back me up that during this, I kept saying, because she kept bringing it up and I kept saying, we're going to have to edit this out. And then she kept getting angry about it. Yes. Definitely. As if you were a transphobe odd, odd for dynamic. not letting her air out a sexual encounter. Right. And, um, yeah, I just, I guess I want to take this time to apologize to uh, the person in question. Can I, can I say, I mean, I guess I could, yeah, yeah. Uh, house phone. Yeah. Okay. House phone. I'm sorry, dude. I, uh, again, I, the way it was just casually getting thrown around and me being ignorant about no jumper drama, I thought maybe it was something that was known or it wasn't a big secret and it wasn't something that I couldn't crack a couple of jokes about. And also I'm new here. I'm just trying to be funny sometimes and I can say things that are insensitive and, um, uh, yeah, I was just trying to be funny, dude. You've always been super cool to me. I've got nothing but love for you, and I didn't mean to hurt you. In another version of this timeline, in another simulation, the editors edit it properly. Yeah. And then she sees it, mm-hmm. realizes it, that it's been edited to hell. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Because I've kind of ran through this in my head a few times. Because... In a way, I don't know if it would become as <clears throat> big news if she just said it. Because she could be lying. It's almost like the fact that it was on No Jumper or on a No Jumper platform or whatever, mm-hmm. that that was kind of the reason why it became such big news. Yeah. And also when it comes out of two cisgendered, six-foot-tall men's mouths, just it, it, there's some sinisterness. Yeah. There's a real thing where people online don't seem to give us any credit for the fact that we intended to have it edited out the entire way. Do you have anything to say for yourself over there, Michael? <laughs> he already talked about it on the podcast. I saw so. him. I couldn't find that clip. I saw it pop up, and then I couldn't find it again. What did he say? Basically just explained how he missed it. You know, you run a – it's a tight but also loose ship in here. You're um, – mm. I mean, clearly you have this thing. It's a well-oiled machine. Content's coming out. You have high standards. But at the same time, you go out there, and there's a dude with a sideways hat smoking a J mm. operating a keyboard. Yeah. And there are drawbacks to this sort of work environment. <laughs> you know, Mike could have been out there doing whippets, yeah. trying to get his editing straight while also trying to get high. And that could have resulted in this unfortunate leak. I'm not sure if he's actually consuming whippets on the job, but. You oh, smoke weed, though. You smoke. look into that. Yeah, come on. Can we test his piss for that? Sid, anybody? Can we keep an eye on this guy? Let's but test he, his piss and find out how good the weed he's smoking is. Mike says he's cut back on smoking weed, and Sid can attest. So he's down to about mm, an ounce a day. I, I, if, I had, if I could redo the whole thing, the main thing that I wish I did is I wish that – because for people who saw the text, I said, let's edit it all out. I wish I had said, edit it all out and – if you fuck up, I'm gonna fire you. <laughs> I wish like like this is important enough that it really needs you to like 100 percent confirm. And yes. I was kind of horrified when I was listening to Mike talk about like how he used the the search function to find his name because obviously that's not gonna turn up every instance yeah. of the name. Uh, you know, it was just like too important of a fucking situation and for us to take that kind of risk. This was Mike. <laughs> I'm just gonna do the control F here. I'm gonna search his name here. All right, that was the name's been scrubbed from the program. It's ready to go, Adam. You're a douchebag. And also, what's up? You've also encouraged this culture of, like, I'm not sure if this is an office or a fashion show. (laughs) 
Like I walk out there, I look at Trevor. He's wearing these like trendy '90s glasses. He's yeah. wearing this hip hat where it has a Pittsburgh Pirates logo, but it's turned upside down. Yeah. And I'm sure he paid like 300 bucks for that. Also, he's wearing like a vintage NASCAR jacket. Is there pressure on these guys to switch up their outfit and spend a lot of money on them all the time? I would say that there's no pressure on the staff. I don't, I don't think anyone gives a fuck. I'm pretty sure Hurley's been wearing the same outfit the whole time he's been working here. But other people like on camera, I will say that I've seen the other end of that spectrum because there has been a time or two where there was somebody who maybe was on camera like once or twice, three times, and they dress so bad that it kind of like becomes noteworthy. Yeah. And my thing is, is that I feel like with clothing and fashion these days, it's actually pretty hard to dress really objectively bad when you think about somebody like yuri i don't know i'm pushing the boundaries of dressing no, objectively okay bad. but you're wearing designer sneakers you're wearing jeans that realistically fit pretty well and you're wearing a black t-shirt and a silly beanie but like realistically i feel like you look like a normal human being right now yuri comes in here wearing fucking sweatpants with ash all over them and then a shirt that's wrinkled doesn't match the pants and then like some flip-flops and to me that is okay. That's acceptable. That fits into his like nerd persona. But like stoner chic. There was a dude in here wearing these jean shorts. And it just you can't I, do it. That's the moment I realized like, oh fuck. Like I don't need everybody to dress like really dope, but I can't have this. No jean shorts. Jean shorts, sure. Like I feel like there are jean shorts for everyone, really. But there are certain jean shorts that I'm just not going to be able to deal with. What was the problem with these jean shorts? Could you see the outline of the nutsack? I think that might have been flesh? like an, an acid wash almost going on them. And uh-huh. it was just – it wasn't for me. Uh-huh. And then do you subconsciously – you would be less likely to hire somebody who walked into a no-jumper interview wearing acid wash jorts. Well, again, like if they're going to be off camera, if they're an editor or something, I really don't. If they're an editor, I'd actually kind of prefer that they be dressed in a normal fucking way. Because if you're if you're wearing like crazy uh, fashion stuff and you want to be an editor, all that tells me is, oh, you want to be on camera, yes. so you're actually not going to be a good editor. But that's like all the dudes here. A lot of the dudes here, I guess, double as editors and content guys, and then they also get in front of the camera occasionally. Yeah, dudes like Trevor and people. But well, you go over there and like. I, they're all fucking, they're all dressed flashy. But it's probably good for our image, right? If the camera pans on over to the editing bay and you see Bossa Nova just looking like a complete and total snack. And then Belt and Kelvin, Kelvin looking like a young NBA, young, youngin. And then uh, Belt, Belt has like a face tattoo. I know. It's small, but it's there. And Bossa Nova, I was giving him shit for this earlier. He's got a fro right now. And I don't know if that's okay. Yo, his hair must grow so fast because he cut his hair down to, like, a straight buzz cut very recently. Uh-huh. And now it's a full, like, two inches long. Uh-huh. That's what you get for being young and healthy. Uh-huh. My hair, when I dye my hair blonde and it's, like, this length, it takes, like, four months, five months to fucking grow out. My hair is, like, it grows at the pace of a snail. Yeah, well, it's gone through a lot. It was dead, and then it was revived. That's definitely probably part of it. But I feel like probably all the hair on my head grows at approximately the same speed. You know why I refuse to do this? I refuse to put a haircut in my schedule every two weeks, which I know that if I did that, I have all these things in my schedule that yeah. are, they're just permanent. The gym, the therapist, the fucking the dentist, I guess. you? The gym, the therapist. Yeah, all the things that you need. The so. haircut, though. What's the issue? Because I have issues with the haircut, too. Like, I just hit the guy up to come cut my hair whenever I think of it. But the problem is, is like when I went to the 
ABN, the Porn Awards, like I was looking bad. Like, yeah. my, like I had like a long beard. It looked gross. My hair looked nasty. Uh-huh. And I'm at the point in my life where like the difference between a haircut and not a haircut for me is like very significant in how sure. I look, which is I'm not I don't like that. I'll go back and I'll watch old videos of me where I couldn't get myself because the hair appointment, you got to book it usually for like a week in advance mm. and it's going to be expensive. And I have to drive out here to the valley to get my haircut. Okay. So there are old videos where I just was so lazy for a couple of months in a row and it looks like I have a live raccoon on my head. Mm. And I don't understand how anybody could watch me or any women could ever love me. Right. Because when I got that gun put in my face, my beard was huge, oh. terrible at the oh, time. No, no, no. And then. After that, it's like I have all these opportunities. They want me to go on Insider Edition. They want me to go on Logan Paul's podcast, et cetera. And that's actually how I met Mike was that day. But, uh, you know, and I'm on there, and my, my beard is massive. It looks terrible. And I'm like, I'm sure a lot more people probably thought that I deserved to be shot as yeah. a result of my facial hair. Yeah, I mean, you basically look like a vagrant. You with a beard is pushing it, dude. Even this? Oh, you mean like a big beard? Yeah, yeah, because you, I mean, with the amount of tattoos you have, you need to give people other signals that you're not going to carjack them. Mm. Because right now, like, I wouldn't want you to get too close to me if I was at a traffic light, as it is. And the shaved head was the worst possible thing for me. Dude, it was terrible. It was horrifying. Now you've got a big scar on your eyebrow. If you add in the beard, dude, and if you add in, you're just, you're an intimidating guy. You look like you don't like me (laughs) and want to hit me. I don't know if everyone else feels that way. Really, once you get to know me, or depending on how much masculinity you're exposed to in your day to day life, Uh like that, that tells me a lot about how, like, who I'm talking to. Because, like, when I talk to, like, AD, let's say I go to AD's family function or whatever there's gonna be a bunch of dudes who are like scary you know physically and like what they've been exposed to they're just clearly in a different category of man yes than me yes whereas like then sometimes i do meet people who are like oh you're like a big tough strong guy yeah so it- that really kind of lets me know where they're at in the hierarchy how they view me because i think of myself as like a skinny wayfish little pussy mm-hmm. you're not you're not. You're a big guy, you. and That's you have nice. face. It's not resting bitch face with you. It's like curb stomp face. It's resting curb stomp it, it's face. Edward Norton in American History X face. <sighs> yeah. And that probably makes people at 80s cookouts uncomfortable. And I had multiple people come up to me in the strip club at 1 in the morning in Vegas and say, like, why are you so mad? Because it's, at that point, I'm, like, very tired. Yeah, I've been yeah. out all day. I've been up uh-huh. since, like, 8 in the morning, and I'm just standing in the club, sleepy as fuck, just smoking, and I'm not really, like, super excited to be there and people were like just like three different people that one night of the strip group came up to me and asked me what was wrong let's do this because our best episodes they always seem to be the ones that are most viewed when there's a bottle of jergens in the background why mm. is that whenever we talk about jacking off or sexual stuff wait we did that multiple times or that was just that one i think whenever no there's a condom in the background a dildo a dick pill that drives viewership right here can you throw that to me mike please yeah just keep it right next to you the whole episode baby right here but Uh, we should tell each other our best strip club stories because the strip club is an interesting institution according to the law california state law you can't drink inside of them you can't touch the dancers there are all these regulations but you and i both know that you can have a lot of illicit fun in a strip club and you can go all the way if you grease the right bouncer and if you find the right i've never done that i've never done much more than just like get a lap dance Come on, and buddy. it's been so long since I went to a strip club. 
Like pretty much the whole time I've been doing No Jumper, I haven't been to one. What about in your shady BMX days? No, for sure. Back then we used to go to this place called the Library and uh-huh. uh, it was near Long Beach or Lakewood or something. Oh, great. I'm yeah. sure the girls were beautiful. They were. Well, they were. Well, I don't know. There were some hot ones for sure. Because it's kind of like, it's Southern California. This is like a random ass strip club. So realistically, you could be like a normal chick and then go strip at this strip club and not draw that much attention to yourself, you know? Uh-huh. This is like pre-social media damn near too. So Was that thing going on? Like for me, the chicks that I went to high school with, I thought they were hot because I had no alternatives. Was that going on for you that back then you saw girls as hotter than they actually were? But yeah. now living in L.A., you'd be like, oh, those girls were fucking beat. Well, that's the whole problem of just being in the porn shit and like having been exposed to so many hot chicks in general. It's just that like I like when I go to the strip club now, it doesn't have anything close to that same allure where like when i would go there when i was young it was like i was very you know sexually frustrated i guess to a certain extent like all these chicks seem kind of like high value to me i'd be hyped to fuck any of these girls and even going to the strip club in vegas is like probably hotter chicks than where i was at it's like i I don't get that feeling from any of them and i don't mean to like say that to like talk down on them or anything i just like i feel like being in the adult content game you really get a incredibly a, a well-tuned eye to how attractive women are and how rare their beauty is, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, when you go to the strip uh, club when you're 18, though. or when Yeah, you get in there it just seems incredible. They're older than you. I went when I was 18 on the dot, and I had just gotten a job. This was during the financial crisis of 08. My buddies ran a company where they oversaw a bunch of people who had lawnmowers. All you needed to get this job was a lawnmower. And I put it in my dad's truck, and I would drive it all around Northern California mowing the lawns of foreclosed houses. I would take some pictures, send it back to my buddy's office. They would send it to Bank of America or Charles Schwab or whoever owned the foreclosed property to make sure that it was in working order and it was being maintained in case they were going to put it back on the market. These guys got filthy rich, and I was making $700 a week, which to me back then, I'm Bill Gates. Yeah. So uh, this money's burning a hole in my pocket. What am I going to do? We can go to Centerfolds in Rancho Cordova, California. We show up there. I show up in a Banana Republic suit I just bought for $300. <laughs> it was off the rack. It didn't even fit. But I had, they're like, oh, yeah, we, have to, we must tailor this. We must, we must order in the, your size. And I was like, no, I'll take it. I'm going to the strip club tonight. Take my ill-fitting suit and a bottle of Grey Goose that I slammed in the parking lot in there. And I ended up fucking dropping, like, my entire paycheck on this one chick just because she had, like, a D cup. Right. That's all it took. I saw exposed D breasts, and I was just shoveling money into this girl's hand. And this is before YouTube? This is just you actually being like this? I was 18 years old. Because this sounds like a YouTube Danny Mullen plot. No, I was 18. good to know that that's how you were living before YouTube. That's how I was living, dude. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. I wanted to, <sighs> I wanted to have sex with this girl. I remember one time back in the day in the strip club, I just, like, this girl just came right up to me as soon as I walked in because she had seen my videos or whatever. This is like way at the beginning of No Jumper. And uh, we just lock eyes. And she's telling me how much she likes to channel and everything. I'm like, let me get a lap dance. I dropped like, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. I'm like fingering her in the fucking thing the whole you time. Say, you just said you'd never done anything in a strip club. I said damn near. No, but then so we're like making out and like fucking touching each other for like an hour in the strip club. And then we ended up going back to the hotel and. Was was, and you put it in. Yeah. Was that so early in your video making career that those things meant a lot when a chick knew you from your content? Because I yeah, remember that was like incredibly thrilling to me. Whereas now it would seem very pathetic, almost. 
Yeah. Yeah. For, for me too. I'm trying to think like when I used to write, I used to write short stories and like fiction on the, or uh, it was nonfiction, but it was written word prose on the internet. Right. And this one girl from Scandinavia with big tits was obsessed with my writing. This was in 2015. And she was the only girl on earth who would have ever fucked me for what I was doing artistically. Right. She flew out to San Francisco and blew me. And it, it was amazing. It would have been more amazing. She flew out and didn't have sex with you. Well, so she was there for another purpose. She was there for some like travel student group thing, but uh, or like or some college program. But I had to shit so bad when she was there that night that I couldn't take full advantage of this. Why my first you just go take ever. a shit? Because I didn't have that kind of self confidence. You were scared to shit in the same room while a woman was in the other room. I've had issues with women for most of my life. But like, how small was your apartment? It was a house. So you could have realistically done it and she wouldn't have had any idea. Looking back, there's really no excuse for what I did. Yeah. I could have done it. No, I had a friend who told me a story like this too back when I was a kid that like he went to this girl's, uh, you know, family dinner and how he just had to shit so bad. And he's just talking about holding it in and how he eventually just had to like get in the car and drive to the fucking gas station to go take a shit. And I'm listening to him just like, why didn't you just excuse yourself and go use the bathroom? He's like, oh, I can't, I can't shit in someone's house. Yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, p- turn the water on when you go in, uh-huh. lock the door, be ready to flush as soon as it leaves your body. Uh-huh. You're fine. Uh-huh. Like, wh- wh- how is you leaving in a rush? Like, going to be better? I, I don't know what it is because I had a pretty good childhood, childhood, but I never talked to my parents about anything sexual, and I think that shame has something to do with shit fear too because the first time i ever i had before my current girlfriend i had two girlfriends who were much more casual and i had never taken a shit in front of either of them like i would plan it i remember i was visiting one in la once she was still at ucla and i had graduated two years prior i came down to visit her for the weekend and i was making up excuses for like to go places so i could go take a shit because Mm -hmm. i could not shatter the illusion that my asshole was immaculate and I, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to run down to Starbucks. Oh, I got a business meeting. I got a C2 in Century City. I'll be right. I'll be back in 30 minutes and go. But my current girlfriend, I remember the day in like 2019 when I finally shit when she was in the house. And my heart was just doom, 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 doom. And I figured the best way to go about it is I just went into the bedroom where she was texting. She's like, are we going to go on a hike now? You've been talking about it all morning. And I was like, yeah. But um, before we go, I got to take a shit. I gotta take a shit, and then I just backed out of the room. Was it a relief in that moment when she expressed like no negative emotions and was and was just like, "Oh yeah, that's a normal thing for a human being to do." Well, I half when I went into the bathroom to take a shit, I half expected to get out of the bathroom and for her to be gone. Mm. You know who had a similar affliction was Lena, because when we first started hanging out. I was in this apartment building in Koreatown, and the uh, I, I was on maybe like the tenth floor or something. Oh, actually, no, I was on a pretty low floor. I remember I was on like the fourth floor. But she would instead of shitting in the bathroom, which was directly across from my bedroom, she would take the elevator down and go take a shit in the bathroom in the like lobby of the apartment building. You got to kind of love it when women do that, though. I was kind of impressed because it took me a few months before I even realized that that's what she was doing. Yeah, I thought she was just running off to like get coffee or something. Chicks, they they shit a lot less than us. First of all, I wonder if she ever bought any like decoy coffees, like bought a coffee just to yeah. have a good excuse of why she was down there for twenty minutes. That's what I was doing. That's what I was doing when I came back to visit my UCLA girlfriend. First of all, I want to say how 
unglamorous it is when you said you used to live in Koreatown. Koreatown. It's just uh, it's ugly to listen to. Why? But do you think consider that like a decent place to live at this point? No. Because I thought it was all right back then. Koreatown sucks. Yeah, it's like too downtown adjacent. Yeah. It's... And, and basically, I had this thing where they asked me when I got it, like the top floor was like 100 bucks, or like 200 bucks more. And then the fourth floor was the cheapest one. And I was like, I'll, I'll just take the, the fourth floor. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And then I realized it was because it was directly across from a Denny's. Uh, and I was like really low to the ground. So like your view is the Denny's. And this is the type of Denny's in Koreatown where like domestic violence is probably going down on a daily basis. There's yeah. literally like a parking lot full of nothing but bums yeah. right there. So let's talk about Koreatown. Number Fuck one, Koreatown. it smells just like kidding. kimchi everywhere. That's the number one problem. Ah. No, number, t- I'm just making a Korean C- joke. Couple spots. Number two, let's be real. It's full of bums. It's basically an extension of downtown. Yeah. And they have these apartment complexes that look nice, but they're all wood framed. So whatever you're, if if somebody's upstairs, just walking gingerly across their living room floor, you can hear it. And if they happen to be a couple degenerate college kids who thought they would save a buck moving to Koreatown and they're partying late at night, you're not getting no fucking sleep. Yeah. And also dogs. It's become fashion in Los Angeles for every single person to have at least one dog. You just gotta, uh, New York is like this, but way worse. It's fucking awful. Everyone in downtown Manhattan is just walking around showing off their dog. And, and they have like $8,000 dogs and all these the craziest dogs you've ever seen. Yes. And these dogs won't shut up when they're home, and now I am encircled. I feel like Custer, but instead of engines, I got dogs all around me in my apartment complex. Which really makes me... Is it loud around your neighborhood? Not really, but like when I'm walking the dog... The dog does this thing with other dogs where they just like face off and scream at each other. I'm, I'm completely new to having a dog, so... It's just kind of like this weird song and dance with these people that I have nothing to do with except the fact they live kind of near me. Yeah, yeah. That I have to sort of have this like standoff where we're both like holding off these these. It's, it's like you're Dana White at the UFC uh, yeah. weigh in where you're like keeping them away yeah, from yeah. each other. And Acting tough. Like why am I doing this with this seventy year old Asian woman who? doesn't even know who i am and she probably is afraid of you do you go back to your appearance but how does that work what i try to smile a lot so that the people in the neighborhood because i realize that like i'm the only one in the neighborhood that has fucking face tattoos and looks like yes they could be robbing someone so i'm glad they've all kind of seen me enough at this point that they... yeah and that's what your dog is about the whitest dog one could oh possibly own you have, so very, pathetic. you have a very white dog it's like i've heard black people rock bling so that people know they're not broke because people have negative connotations with like a, a guy who's from a certain neighborhood well i would say that people who come from like poverty and shit in particular yeah and i feel that's like, a big part of the reason i feel like you you're so scary looking that you have to do something similar with your labradoodle mm. or maybe i could just rock maybe if i rock pink maybe i would have like way more of a gay vibe well yeah i mean if you also i should had talk your, with a fake lisp yeah and make your wrists all limp too just yeah hey Hi. I'm 22 <laughs> that's how many cocks i suck this fucking weekend My di- I don't, i'm not gonna like go into detail to the neighbors about Tell the them. dick sucking necessarily There's but so yeah much. definitely I, got, I could do something to sort of soften it but my girl said the beard makes me look softer I I have to see you with a beard. Maybe I have. I just can't recall it now. The Labradoodle is a great step. The baby. The baby's nice. But what's the deal with that? When you have a dog on a leash, do you let them smell each other? If they start fighting, do you have to yank them away? (sighs) Well, I'm not really that experienced with it. I don't don't really let them get all that close at all. I mean, I let them. I don't don't let them touch each other. Okay. I'm scared they're going to bite them. Uh Uh It's just kind of ugly from my perspective. Uh Hey, let me ask you something. Is there any part of you that wants to, like, gain muscle? 
to become like a big strong dude because i like you are you're you kind of have like the body type that i'm dieting towards of just being like rail thin that was an insulting premise i want to say first of all i don't know which way you're moving i'm trying to lose weight because i want to be skinny i'm saying you're skinny but i'm just saying like in my mind if i were to get my body fat down to the the percentage that I was pretty much happy with, I would probably then want to start like lifting weights and like because you were talking about running actually, so you're kind of on the total opposite side of this, huh? Well, you don't want to be big. I like to think of myself as an athletic build. I like to think of myself as you know, uh, Greco-Roman wrestler, shot putter. How often do you lift weights? Never, never. But you know, but I mean, my chest. I mean, there's some broadness in my shoulders and back. You have a nice frame. You have broad shoulders. Pause. You're right though. I've been getting, I've been getting a little skinny. You'd but- make an incredible trans woman. I'm too tall, and I got too deep of a voice. <laughs> Those are all attributes, if you ask me. And enough, enough <laughs> maybe, estrogen. Maybe the veins on the arm might it, hurt. Being skinny, I wish I could put on like yeah, 15 to 20 pounds. But the problem with that is, as you know, like however hard you're working right now to diet, I would have to work that hard to hit a calorie mark every would single you really, day. though? I Dude, could so easily eat like 1,000 calories more per day. It's more expensive. I also can't cook anything. All I eat is steak now because it's just the easiest. It's the easiest fucking it's thing to pretty, cook. Pretty high calorie. I became paleo not because I think it's or not paleo. I became carnivore not because it's healthy, but because it's quite simply retard proof to throw a steak on a fry. But so bed. you're cooking your own steaks like over and over throughout the day. And I'm proud. I of feel it. like that's not something you would really do unless you wanted to put uh, muscle on. Well, I don't know. I have a really fast metabolism. I would like to put on some weight, but for Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I, I, I don't want to go in there and get fucking pumped. You still do that? Yeah. You're training for Jason Ellis? I'm training for Jason Ellis. I mean, if I choke the guy unconscious, I get to suck his limp dick, which is huge, apparently, according to... Well, he was outed by our friend Gracie, too. But I uh, I just I do it for cardio because my ego won't let me lose to these guys in the gym. And I'm not fast or athletic or technical, so I just have to have endurance. I have to have the endurance of the Energizer Bunny. Mm. And that's my theory, dude. Just be fucking wiry. I'm I'm glad I now know what you think of your body. You know what I think is pretty clear about me? I have mega gluten intolerance. Everybody has that. But so, like, this weekend, like, I I went two weeks straight. I wanted to see, like, because normally every weekend I'll, like, have some little cheat meals or whatever. I'll just, like, you know, eat. Popeyes or whatever, like Sunday night. You said cheat meals. How many cheat meals do you have per weekend? Mm, on an average weekend, maybe like one or two. Like Sunday, okay. I'll just have like a breakfast burrito and then like a burger okay. for like dinner or whatever. Which to me, this is like nothing because it's only two meals, you know? But the fucking gluten. I, I'm pretty sure I've shit three times this morning and I could definitely see a fourth one taking place. Uh. It's just like... <laughs> I don't know the bread and the carbs, the gluten, whatever the fuck it is. Like I just can't handle it anymore. And I also, this is the thing: when I was younger, I used to be able to eat an enormous amount. This weekend, like the, I had a breakfast sandwich and then I had like a burger and fries. Like eight hours later, and I couldn't eat anything else. Uh-huh. It's just like I've somehow, like in my old age or something, my stomach has just shrunken, and I can't stuff myself anymore. So, what's the goal? You're trying to get like me, and then you're trying to replace the fat with muscle? 
I'm trying to get like you for sure so that the band we can kind of look like symmetrical yeah. on yeah. stage. Oh, it's going to be important. When you're rocking out on the, the guitar, I guess, and I'm going to be singing into a microphone and also playing a guitar. Oh, it's super important. Yeah. And we got to look like we've at least dabbled in heroin, too. I don't want to be the fat guy in the band. You can't do that. You can't be like, which band is a fat guy? I don't know. I'm but taking back Sunday at a fat guy in the band. It must suck being in a band and like secretly just wanting to tell your drummer to lose weight. You got to be sexy. Because, yeah, exactly. Like, nobody acknowledges it, but bands are just, like, sexiness contests, right? Dude, I was at the Whiskey recently, and it was, like, an open—it wasn't an open mic, but it was pretty much an open mic. It was—the Whiskey doesn't—the rock and roll scene is completely dead, so the Whiskey now, which is a famous rock and roll venue, it survives off having local bands sell tickets to their friends and family. Mm. And then you stack five of those local bands up, and you've sold two or three hundred tickets. And you went— to one. I went to one of these, and some of them you're looking, and like the bassist is a five foot five Asian kid. The bands hate that thing where they have to sell tickets so much, but it really makes perfect sense. It's like no risk for the venue. Yeah, I mean nobody's going to come to the show. Nobody's gonna be like, oh, Electric Fireflies playing at the Whiskey on the 29th. Well, Let's I understand go. that they don't want to be in charge of selling their own tickets, but if your tickets aren't going to sell themselves, if yeah. you're not so popular that people are just going to do this, then what are we even fucking talking about? And with the way the world works now, it's like you selling the tickets yourself on social media is probably shouldn't even be that hard, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how the world works. But why the fuck are you there? I was there because this kid who was in one of our videos was there. He's at the Guitar Institute. He's a pretty good guitarist. But and their band was definitely one of the better ones there. Looking sexy, buddy. Almost there. You've almost you've almost reached my build, and then you can start muscling up. But but there was one band that they sounded like like a heavier Lincoln Park. Okay, and and they had one dude who looked like he was in uh, Danzig. What's the fucking the lock they had in Danzig where the hair comes? The Devil's Lock. The Devil's Lock, which is just one swoop of hair that comes down to the front. We should definitely get that for a future episode. Would you get Danzig in here? Would you get the Devil's Lock? That too, but we should get the Devil's Lock. We should like just come in with it. My shirt, by the way, again. Uh, I wore this at the thing. Actually, I wore it when I was with you. And, I that, and that, I hate that. And and when I put this on today, I was like, oh, nobody's going to realize I'm wearing the same Transylvanian shirt. Transylvanian hunger, dude. I like to spread my shirts out a lot, which is like, I, I'm very much tempted to become a, a Mark Zuckerberg type and just wear the same fucking shirt every day. On to relate to that and the band subject, the fucking band of the Strokes, who were like the ultimate just love hot guys who like all yeah. looked perfect. They yeah. wore the same outfit every day for like months and months or an entire album cycle, which is kind of genius. But do you think that they would get a bunch of the same outfit or would they just rock like the same leather jacket over and over? Same shit over and over. Yeah. And they, they said they would change their underwear and socks, but that wasn't confirmed. But that's mm. a great example of a band where their music was completely irrelevant because they looked the part. But the, their music was really good because I've almost never <laughs> I've almost never looked at them and I... I, I will sometimes listen to the Strokes yeah. when I'm like hanging out around the house with the kid. The Strokes are dope, dude. It's like we... an inoffensive, good times in New York City type yeah, band. Where, where, where are you I apologize for looking at my beer. phone. I'm... Oh, okay, good. My sister, my my girl is uh, sending my fucking meal prep. That is always an issue with you. Oh, and... always. It's Monday, and it takes you a while to get in gear. I guess the but food's always late. Like, how do I just walk past it? It's just sitting there in front of my house, right by the door, and I just walk past this big cooler that's just sitting there with my meal prep in it. There's no excuse. I mean, it's been happening since we've done this podcast. When we start this band, though, things are going to be different. What's happening? I don't know. You're going to remember your meal prep? Starting a band just seems like a fucking nightmarish 
calling at this point because it just seems like it would be so hard to like really have a, a diehard fan base. It's possible. I think it's definitely possible. They're still out there. You have to look the same. So I would have to meet you in the middle. I'd have to start getting some tattoos. Mm, I think as long as you don't have any, you definitely shouldn't get any. I think if we're going to be in a band, we got to all look pretty, uh, pretty matchy match. So There's got to be some unifying theme. You've here. gone like 30 years, maybe 12 of them, of which you were legally able to get a tattoo, and you didn't. But you'd do it for this band that realistically probably isn't going to happen. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm prepared to get a tattoo. Depending on who, uh, speaking of. Black flag? Oh, yeah. Just get all of Phil's tattoos. Henry, Henry Rollins. Super, that, get the Phil's exact leg tattoos. Those are, so just band logos. Okay. I'm going to get some band logos. He's got Milo. He's got Milo. Milo goes to college. What are some band logos I could get? I could Red Hot Chili Peppers. Got to get that. A lot of cred. Anal for, cunt. Anal Oh, and then there goes our monetization. I'm sure Screwdriver probably has some good logos you could get. Having a band doesn't know it's a racist band. Okay, screwdriver. You never heard of them. <laughs> no. oh, okay. Are they still around? Uh, no, the dude died like forever ago. No, no but that—that's the only. I think that's like the only racist band that ever like got to the point where someone like me would know their name. Uh-huh. There's a ceiling on racist bands. You're not going to be playing <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel live as screwdriver and up I'm, there. I'm, I'm pretty sure that like they can't. Somebody should check, but I'm pretty sure they can't have their like stuff on YouTube or like streaming services. Uh-huh. So you're um, really you're really shit out of luck. Hopefully, the lead singer of Screwdriver's Air will put it all on Twitter. They could probably live now on I, Twitter. You know, this is what I wonder though. Sometimes is like, you know, growing up, you would think of like racist skinheads, yeah. and now you have a lot of people in the media who are like, you know, far right conservatives, but they don't. Like, there's not like punk rock element to it like if nick fuentes was like dressed up like a skinhead wouldn't you find his whole thing like a lot more interesting interesting or offensive <laughs> probably both <laughs> if nick fuentes was dressed up like a skinhead yeah i would say it'd be more alarming much more yeah just visually you're right yeah okay so our band is what do you um just want to make sure we're aligned on this we're gonna be racist or non-racist <laughs> If we're anti-racist, that'll fucking sell. Maybe we could play two shows in the same night and do a little sure, bit of both. Sure. That's a great idea. The Palladium? Or yeah. two nights? Like one night can be a racist night? We should get... I think it would be great if we got somebody like Flacco on the drums. If you get a black rhythm section, people are taking it seriously. Well, Flacco being such a Nick Fuentes fan, though, it seems like he, he would probably only want to play in the racist version Damn, of the band. dude. All right. So we'll have to book somebody else for the next night. But Flacco is a guy who's he's a little he's a little thicker. And, but, and that's again, what you're looking for in a drummer, though? No, no. We need, to be, we need to be skinny. But you put the thick guy behind the drum set so nobody can see him. Mm. That's the best thing. The drummer can be fucking butt ugly. Just what's important is the front line or retract the front three were you a big uh fallout boy fan because like the hot one was like the backup singer Uh and then the regular looking guy was like the singer yeah but then everybody kind of like thought what was his name uh pete wentz pete wentz everybody thought of pete wentz right because he's like the one who he looks like he's the lead singer and you thought you would picture him singing in your head if you just saw like a snapshot of them in spin magazine props to them for being cognizant of their hotness enough to like really kind of lean into that yeah yeah and all the band photos he's always at the middle like you got to put pete wentz in the foreground you're making me think maybe we should let leo in the band we should. But I don't know if he's, like, on brand. Leo is, he's got to cut the hair. He's got to lose some weight. He's but it can be, now? well, he's a lot thicker than me and you. Okay. He just, he's got to have the skinny heroin chic. Mm. It's going to be a Sid Vicious thing. We're going to have Leo going, like, 
<laughs> but somebody figured. else will be singing for him. But who's the band that the singer had like a head piece, or the the drummer had a headpiece? Was this Coheed and Cambria? And the fucking the drummer would be singing the whole time while drumming. Coheed and Cambria had. Did an they actual, do that though? I can't remember. Maybe. I mean, they had their singer sings. The guy is like, yeah, was it a Treyu? I didn't there was get into some band I, I saw back in the day who had that where the drummer had a Avenged headpiece. Sevenfold. That's had gonna a take a lot of like cardio. It's, it's, playing the drums has to be very exhausting, right? That's, uh, yes, I used to play drums. That just throws off the vibe. I am not getting into a band where the drummer's singing. Also, I don't like it when the bassist is the lead vocalist either. That really throws mm. off the whole rock and roll feng shui. But isn't the bassist doing like almost nothing in comparison to everybody else in the band? Exactly. Like, and I respect it because I I know what it would sound like without the bass. But it's just not enough. Like you have to do you have to do more. Yeah. If you're gonna be a bassist, you have to be like dancing very well uh-huh. or singing or something. You got to be sexy. Mm. It's sort of like a major corporation today. They need a quota of gay people and people of color. A band, you got to have a quota of sexy. Mm. And to not have a sexy bassist, which is the easiest job to recruit somebody sexy for, it's like, all right, fucker, can you play a root note G? Great. Can you drop down to C and D? That's our new single, GCD. You can get anybody to do that. Right. And it's like having the head of HR at Apple needs to be a black woman. <laughs> Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing? Like, uh, the lead engineer is going to be an Indian guy named Apu. Uh, who, I'm sorry. Who That's going to be the engineer. Didn't Apple at one point hire, like, a, a black woman who was supposed to be their head of diversity? And then she put out a statement as soon as they hired her saying diversity is diversity of viewpoints, it's diversity of lived experiences, basically this, like, based take. No! Basically saying, I don't give a fuck about if every room has, like, an equal amount of races or whatever, but she was gone, like, a couple months. It might not have been Apple. It was some big company, though. And it was a black woman having that opinion, and I was... But if you ever watch... If you watch that trans panel I did, it's fucking hilarious because there's so many, like, trans sacred cows that just get mowed down in that thing because, like, I say... I, I just throw it out there. I'm a straight guy. I, I feel like I'm pretty middle of the road uh, politically and everything. I've looked up what J.K. Rowling has said about trans people. I don't find it offensive in any way. It seems pretty fucking obvious to me. And, like, I got so little pushback uh-huh. from everybody at the table. Either we're, like, wholeheartedly agreed or I was kind of like, eh, yeah, like, uh-huh. whatever. Uh, it was just, like, all these things that you would assume are, like, extremely important to trans people were just kind of, like, uh-huh. ignored or obliterated. I was looking at J.K. Rowling's Twitter this weekend. She is, as you taught me last week, a turf. Yes, that's what they say. She's a turf. She's a woman who, what are her beliefs? I understand it from the sports perspective that they don't want women's gold medals getting taken away and whatever their events is because Chuck became Cynthia and goes into the women's freestyle. I, I think, yeah, and that was like another thing that when we were doing that panel that nobody really put forth like a good argument for why biological males should be allowed in women's sports. You know, everybody yeah. seemed like they kind of went along with that. Yeah. Um, what the fuck was the question? The question is, what else does J.K. Rowling right. believe? I think that her main thing is that she just believes that there is like an inherent nature to being a woman mm-hmm. that is not, you know, that if, if a man has sex change surgery, that they're just not. Mm-hmm. getting at and that's important for a few reasons like you know that there are women's spaces like you know yeah. that there are women's groups and yeah. that you know i think some of these people like actually see it happening in their lives where these you know like my mom is a was a librarian right and she would always have these book groups right and i remember her telling me that 
she would usually prefer for her like book groups to be all woman because if there was one guy in the class that he would just love to fucking talk so much that he would just kind of like railroad the conversation in her experience and that it would just kind of lessen everybody else's enjoyment of it and as much as I do think that that makes my mom a terrible feminist monster for saying something like that, I, I feel what she's saying, and I do think it's fair for women to want to like form groups for for yeah. themselves or whatever. And that if you have like you know trans people coming in and dominating, that that probably sucks. Yeah, and I was talking to Gracie. Like, uh, I mean, Gracie still fucks chicks. So also, if you have a trans woman coming into the women's reading group, they and might fuck you. They might try to fuck you in yeah. the stacks. Whereas. If a chick, like, my girlfriend was telling me one of the girls at her work tries to fuck her all the time, but there's a certain lack of threat associated with a chick trying to eat your pussy mm. versus a penis trying to slide up your, tw- your twat. Yeah, it's a privilege. The girls are allowed to fucking hit on each other relentlessly. Yeah, it's fine. If you meet a random girl and you just say, like, oh, my God, you are hot. Think about how awkward that sounds. It's tough. Whereas, like, if you could easily imagine one of the female employees here saying that to another female employee like you look amazing today or you're you're beautiful or whatever you know i actually was i was talking to my sister about this and she said that it's it's basically like protocol or like the rules in her professional workplace or whatever that you can't comment on somebody else's appearance or or how they look in any way Uh and i i kind of get that because there's been a few different times where i've said to somebody who works at no jumper like oh your hair like a female employee like oh your hair looks amazing Uh Or like, oh, those pants are so cool. Uh-huh. And in the back of my head, there was like a little tick of like, is that almost yeah. over the line? Like, are, if you're commenting their pants, is that almost like you're uh-huh. saying that they're like hot? Because uh-huh. I don't want to like get anywhere near that line. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I heard uh, you compliment one of your female employees on uh, her areolas because they're, they're <laughs> protruding over the top of her bra. Was that? I don't know if I should air that out, but. Uh, <laughs> Hey Tiff, nice areolas, dude. It's it's getting I'm glad so. Glad you chose a fake name. Though. It's getting so insane. Yeah, he didn't do that. There's, There's no a, Tiff. I don't know. Like a couple months back, it came out that Stanford had banned a bunch of words, and I at the time they got banned. I went and looked at what they were banning, mm. and this will really let you know like the direction in which the culture is moving. So. Because Stanford feeds a lot of people into the tech industry and into Silicon Valley, there are all these examples of things you can't say anymore that are so fucking innocuous that have to do with like computer stuff so number one user a computer according to stanford university shouldn't call shouldn't refer to you as the user because that has drug connotations and we don't want to be insensitive to people oh. who are doing the drugs in certain never would have thought of that one in certain tech circles there are teams colored teams like blue team yellow team red team that have different jobs as far as like so cyber security virus detection well guess which color teams are no longer acceptable to be labeled as such yellow you can't say yellow team i was thinking yellow you can't say red team because that would imply that the teams are made up of asians and native americans asians are red Excuse me, uh, Indians. Right, right, okay, Indians, yeah. Indians. Okay, and then yeah. also anything where white or black is used to indicate good or evil. In, and, you know, like in Magic the Gathering, the card game, there's white magic and black magic. Right. All that sort of thing is completely th- – you can't say that anymore according to Stanford University. So the idea of like white hat, black hat, can't do that. White list, black list, can't do that anymore. Wow. Even a lot of phrases that we used to think were progressive, like people of color and African-American – 
are not okay anymore. Mm. And it says specifically on that list, African-American, people of color, both offensive. The alternative that you're supposed to say is black with a capital B and then like B-I-O-P-C. Or BIPOC. Yeah. BIPOC. That's what you're supposed to say instead of people of color. Now. But that's insane. Like, Because when you say person of color or, or black, you're talking about black person. That means black, indigenous, or person of color. So like it includes like a whole bunch of different stuff. So like black people can't even have their own word. They have to be lumped in with Native Americans and anyone else whose skin is a little darker. That's shit is weird. It's getting complex, dude. Yeah. It's getting and I wonder because right now it's easy to laugh at it and shit. The thing I find interesting though is just like somebody like you who's like not exposed to this in any way is just like endlessly fascinated by this. Aren't you? Isn't it crazy that you can't? I kind of got over it a while back. I, it just feels fucking played out because you know who talks about this stuff is like Donald Trump Jr. It's yeah. like oh, his videos on Rumble are like, oh, now it's racist to say this. And then they're pulling from like the furthest reaches sure. of academia, which I will agree to you that because that stuff does like trickle down and leak into like normal society. But it's also just like, I don't know. Like, I feel like these mainstream institutions are their own little islands. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm not going to, I'm going to have to make my kid go to community college. It's just, it's getting to the point where, like you said, it is really seeping into our lives, though. Like, social media, obviously, because the people who come from these colleges where they're learning they can't say African-American anymore, they can't say people of color anymore, they go on to work at these companies, which in a way dictate our fate, Mm. being social media people. Also, did you see what's going on at the NHL? How the NHL has... The NHL has gone so full-blown woke because enough people in their marketing departments, in their corporate side, are graduating from California colleges. So they've decided that, like, three black NHL players throughout its entire history is not enough? I'm sure they've decided that, too. But mostly it's trans stuff right now. Like, they had a trans exhibition hockey game sanctioned by the NHL. And I saw a little bit of it. Basically, a giant trans woman body checked like a a woman into a board and it was it was ugly but the real crazy thing is the official account when that got criticized i saw the official nhl account responded to a person saying trans women or women non-binary identity is real i know and i sent that uh text to my uh, family group chat Uh and uh man sometimes i'm just like oh i thought everybody was on the same page and uh-huh. then I realized, like, no, there are people in my family who are too woke to have a sense of humor about this. Wow. They thought that was completely normal. The NHL would be tweeting that out. I am not going to throw anybody under the bus. But, yeah, sometimes you just – because to me, I would be able to have a laugh at that tweet with Blair White, who is trans. Yeah. I, w- I would think she would understand. that, And that was the best moment in that trans panel is when I said something about uh, – has the trans identity been like co-opted by lame heterosexual white people? Like, d- does a yeah. does a thirty year old white lady need to have she her in her in her pronouns in her mm-hmm. bio? And yeah. everyone there was like, "No, it's fucking stupid. What yeah. the fuck is wrong with them?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like these are the exact people who uh, are, are they're they're trying to placate, mm-hmm. you know, and they and they don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, it's everybody. It's like a, a sideline journalist for ESPN will be tweeting about transphobia and shit like that. It's like, what do you have to do with this? But uh, back to that tweet. I, the trans thing, the non-binary stuff, I don't really understand, though. The non-binary stuff's a little silly, isn't it? See, when you're sitting at a fucking table full of all these different trans people who have actually fully decided to live as the opposite gender, yeah. they have such a different outlook on it compared to like these people who sort of just want to be able to claim that they're non-binary or claim that they have these fluid pronouns or whatever. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing, is that that does seem like a joke. 
to actual trans people who've actually gone through with the whole thing. And even when we were talking, this is very illuminating to me. When we were talking about the Wee Spa thing. Yeah. And um, Wee Spa was a spa in Koreatown, bringing yeah. it back where a, a transgendered woman, woman had quote unquote, but basically a man, had a, penis out. Yeah. A guy went there and went into the women's room, penis out, apparently making no effort to identify as a woman in any way. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, when you think about trans people, you think of them being sort of allergic to like judging and ranking each other based on who looks the most female, mm-hmm. right? You'd think that like that's part of their orthodoxy is that like, you know, you might not have got your fake tits yet, but you're just as much a woman as me, mm-hmm. right? But then the no. way that they talk about it, yeah. th- they're like, no, like this, this, this person is not making any attempt to present as a woman. Yeah. And that really is the important thing because yeah. if Blair White were to go into your locker room at the gym, it would create a scene. Every single fucking dude in there would would stop and yeah. be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So she we'd be, we'd be psyched at first until uh, the cock came out. Well, even before that though, like but she she uses the female locker room at the gym, but uh-huh. then she she changes in private, like uh-huh. in the fucking restroom or whatever like so that she's not walking around you know freaking people out or whatever smart and i and she like is like yeah that's like the compromise of like me not wanting to be represented as a woman in society and recognized that way but i also don't want to make anyone uncomfortable so i'm not going to be walking around with my genitalia hanging out and yeah i mean like just listening to them talk you just realize how their common sense is so much better than like the the average white liberal who's making arguments in their favor you're making really good points right now and the point is essentially that if you're going to be trans if you want to raise the rainbow flag you got to go all in we need some sort of surgery you need i'm sure there's the sentiment building amongst gay people and trans people that unless you've been physically assaulted outside a nightclub or had a brick thrown through your window you don't get to claim lgbtq plus because think about it it's like me finding out that one of my great 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 grandfathers was black and me getting into harvard university based on that right that's what just being like i'm a they them is yeah it's a cop-out you would have you've sacrificed nothing and now you're getting preferential treatment and job interviews and it was just so reassuring to realize that somebody like blair or the buck angel dude or whatever that they just they think all this shit is a joke too. Yeah, they look at it. They think it's just as ridiculous as we do because they've actually committed. They yeah. actually had, I assume, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of surgeries. Yes, maybe not, but like expensive ass surgeries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they've actually really done a lot to present this way. Yeah, and they absolutely. look at all the, this dude in the wee spot thing as a fucking joke. Yeah, that guy's a joke. Yeah. The the fucking the thirty year old who rolls into Hollywood and is like, uh, sometimes I feel a little feminine, so I'm now a he they. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck that guy too. Yeah. You gotta commit, dude. Like it's at least suck a dick. Yeah. Like sucking a dick is the line in the sand. That's the crossing of the Rubicon. Uh, ideally the dick would be covered in sand. If the dick is covered in sand. So let's talk about what happened last night. Because me and you, I, I realize you go to bed very fucking early. Yeah, right? Well, yeah. Like 9.30? I was in bed last night by 9 o'clock, like asleep. Okay. Yeah. So we're texting each other. And we're texting at maybe like 7 or some shit about like, oh, we should watch something so we can talk about it on the show. Uh, we, and then we got on xhamster.com. <laughs> right. And we were FaceTiming each other while we jerked off. We searched up Gracie Jane. Yeah. And, oh, uh, <laughs> no, and then we... Uh, My asshole still hurts. So yeah. at first we went for the Bernie Madoff show. Oh, yeah. We were looking at the old Bernie Madoff. I made it one episode in. You said you made it one and a half episodes yeah, in. Yeah, it just... It's... it's 
I this was my last text to you last night before I came. Yeah. Pause. And uh, it, it was that he is basically. You said pause. What are you going somewhere? I thought you were, no. Oh, okay, I thought you were take a piss, <laughs> Mister uh, Small Boy. I might go piss soon. Actually, as long as you're saying that, I'm going to piss. So I, I after making the dust off jokes, I did find this over here. Right next to Mike, the man in charge of the edit of last week's podcast. Man, rest in peace to Aaron Carter. Yeah. That was his thing of choice. I don't you, you don't even know about that? I do, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, that's... I never tried it. I've done it once. It's it's mind-boggling that everybody could get addicted to that. Can you just pick up the jergen so that none comes leaking out onto your leg? Or your, your jeans, I feel like. <laughs> you got Sorry. some? So he didn't even lock it before he gave it to you. Juniper-scented. Of course not, dude. There's no responsibility or accountability in this office. Bernie Madoff, you and I watched it. It was like— One it, episode, though. He, he, we didn't even get into, like, the real scammy part of his life, though. I sort of did. But you think Bernie Madoff, his name is synonymous with financial ripoffs and Ponzi schemes? Well, now— you think you think that's going to be a home run? You think that's going to be a great fucking documentary? But the problem is, as I text you, he was like Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, but faithful to his wife, mm. and he didn't do drugs. Yeah, a boring life, huh? You, I'm not into it. You lost me. Mm. That's not cool. Yeah, what he did is, I finally figured out what a Ponzi scheme is. Ponzi scheme is. Have you ever heard of those words you say like that you don't really know what they mean? Yeah. Like for a while, the word that I. Um, what was it? Well, uh, I always felt like I knew what it meant, but now that you're kind of putting me on the spot, I'm not sure that I could put it into words. A Ponzi but, scheme? But well, it's it's where you get money from people, and then you, like, convince them that they're getting... Well, what he was doing was he would get money from people and convince them they were getting a return, but they weren't, right? But it's it's also has to do with, like, well, like a pyramid scheme where you're sort of, like, getting people to sign other people up. But is a Ponzi scheme necessarily I, that? I think it's different. So don't don't quote me on this. I only made it an episode and a half in. Okay. But a Ponzi scheme, I think, is what he was doing. Was He was just taking everybody's money. He was sending them fake print-ups that were their mm. financial readings. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you made a 29% return here on Microsoft last quarter. A Ponzi Good scheme is a form of fraud that lures investors and pays profits to early investors with funds from more recent investors. Yeah, yeah, and if and if somebody hits you up and they're like, "Hey, I want to cash out," you have plenty of money to do that because you have this. I don't know where all the money was hanging from out. Everybody else's money, but as long as not everybody tries to pull their money out, then then you got a problem. Then it could be good. And I assume that that's what happened to Mister Madoff, Esquire. Even though but, we didn't make it to the uh, end of the documentary, no. At some point, uh, journalists started like poking holes in it and and poking around and saying like. This doesn't seem to make sense. I'm pretty sure. I would actually like to finish watching it because yeah. I feel like the first episode was boring because you're just finding out about this guy who grew up like a billion fucking years ago and his dad lost money in the stock market. His dad was a failure overall. Yeah. So it became extremely important to him from a young age to be successful. Yeah. And he had this one situation early in life where he got like $35,000 worth of money from like 20 different people, which yeah. is a lot of money at the time. He's investing it and then the, the whole market collapses. And so instead of going to all those people one by one and saying, hey, I lost your $1,000, which might have been their life savings at that point he says hey dad can i get thirty five thousand dollars he yeah. gives it to him and then he pays all the people back so at that point he's out money 
He's lied to the people, but everybody's looking at him as if he's this very savvy investor because he was able to survive this massive uh, yeah. fall in the market. Even though all he really did was go to his stepfather, or his, not his stepfather, his, his father-in-law, and be like, hey, cut me a check. I really messed up. Yeah. That was not, he was basically, he had to be successful because he was banging this chick, and her dad was a successful accountant. Right. Which is, yeah, I kind of like the logic to that. Like, kind of go out of your league, and then you got to level up to, to like, please your your girlfriend's mm. parents. There's yeah. a nice logic to that. Actually. I know a lot of people though who like, like I know a guy who like opened a store and like had like a whole business and stuff, and everybody's congratulating him and acting like he's doing so great for himself. But I know the truth. I know that he just his girls, his girls' dad let him borrow like fifty grand or whatever to start this business. And wow. and it's like you know it, by leveraging that he was able to sort of present to everybody as if he was experiencing this success. And, you know, that was a couple of years ago and the business obviously didn't work out and he shut it down and it wasn't his own money that he lost. But it was kind of weird for me to be viewing that and seeing people congratulate him and knowing like this has nothing. There's no legs for this to stand on. He's not bringing in any money. There's no reason for you to think that this business is going to make money ever. And if it does, it's not his. Do the balls to go to your girlfriend or wife's dad <laughs> know, right? and be like, hey, Chuck, hey, oh, the football, huh? Yeah. Wow. What's the score in the game? Oh, great. So listen, I need $50,000 to open a candle shop. Right. But the thing about it is that a lot of people who haven't done anything in their lives just go around talking to everybody about all their big ideas. And I feel like I was kind of like that before I actually ended up kind of accomplishing some shit. And now it's like when I talk to random people, I don't want to talk to them about like, you know, when the Uber driver cracks off a conversation and says, so what do you do? Uh, what kind of line of work are you in or whatever? I just minimize it because yes. I don't want to have to fucking talk about all these famous people I know. I don't want to yeah. talk about the trips I've been on. I want to talk about all this cool shit. It's just it's kind of like gross. And, and what do I gain from telling this person about it, et cetera? Yeah. But when you have nothing, yes, you're just walking around. It's just you and your narrative. Mm-hmm. It's just you and your motivation. And I've, I've known a lot of people in my life who ended up in really advantageous positions because they're just sort of keeping this monologue going and telling people what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, somebody's going to have some money that they want to invest and they'll probably get in bed with you. And uh, it's got to be – it's a pretty good tactic, honestly. If you, if you have nothing going on, that's yeah. really the best thing you can do is try to just convince people with money yeah. to believe in you. And if you're going to do that, though, don't be an Uber driver. Because is there anything more cliche than an Uber driver trying to explain why they're an Uber driver? But being like, you know, I, I just do this on the weekends to make a little bit extra cash. I'm actually a record producer. Right. You know, I actually produced the newest Drake album. I'm sure Sydney sitting behind the console right now. My girlfriend reports on this all the time that Uber drivers will try to pick her up. Uh-huh. But of course, they have to explain away their current job because mm. no girl. You can get laid as an we Uber driver. We probably have a lot but- of Uber, Uber drivers out there, right? But you can only fuck other Uber drivers. <laughs> That's how it should be. I want to make sure the gene pool doesn't spill over into everyday society. Look, I've been there. I've, 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 I haven't worked a lot in my life. You know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But I did uh, security in 2008 at a bar for a couple of days during South by Southwest. A couple days? Nice. And, no, literally like two days wow. worth of security. for yeah, salt of the earth. Uh, yeah, and I was getting like $11 an hour, and it was rough. But anyway, I was explaining away. Because I'm meeting girls. Yeah. I'm having to tell them like, yeah, yeah. right away, like, yeah, I got this this brand, this yeah. whole thing going on, whatever. Dude, dude. I, I do that too because I was a security guard in San Francisco. Uh, in San Francisco, all the chicks that would come into my bar were girls who worked at Google, who worked at Facebook. Mm. And they all made 180 grand a year, these super hot chicks. And I'm standing there checking their IDs. 
um, making 28 bucks an hour, which is pretty good. I was making 28. As a door guy? Yeah, but I only had two shifts a week, so it wasn't that long. wasn't that long ago either, so. It it wasn't. The thing is, though, like, if you are in that position, like, chicks will, if you're just fucking honest about it, and the girls don't smell bullshit on you, you can make it work. I got way more fucking ass when I was dead broke working as a busboy or a doorman than I probably could get now. Really? Yeah, for sure. You know how that goes. When you're uh, all it takes yeah. to get pussy is motivation. Right. If you're motivated to get pussy, you get yourself into this mindset where if all you're doing every day is getting pussy, it's like going to the gym and doing squats or bench press. The muscle develops. Yeah. Like the resistance makes you stronger. Pretty soon, if you just chase pussy for a year straight, you will be so uh, immune to rejection right. that women will just smell the I don't give a fuck on you and watch your cock paradoxically. Because a lot of guys out there think that the key to getting ass is to become high value, to get clout, followers, money, etc. But in reality, I think like the key to you know having relationships with women is to just meet them. Yeah. To just like be around women. I remember I had this really depressing experience where I had been playing poker for a couple of years. I'm like fresh out of college, like you know, I'm, I'm like 21, 22, and I had been injured a bunch, right? So I'm just literally for like two, three years, I'm in my room playing poker, making pretty good money. And this is the time period where I started the website that actually like led to me having like an enjoyable life, right? But at this time, I'm just like in the in the house like eight hours a day, and uh, or like ten hours a day in playing your parents poker. House? Uh, no, living in Queens in like mm-hmm. a bum ass apartment, and then mm-hmm. I had a friend. And he worked at Urban Outfitters and I went and saw him one time and I just realized like in that moment, like you have no fucking money. This is the worst job ever, but you are meeting so many girls Mm -hmm. and having so many sick experiences, even beyond just the girl thing of Mm -hmm. like just randomly getting invited to parties and really being a part of like the nightlife in New York and stuff. Meanwhile, I had just spent like two years doing nothing, Mm -hmm. just trapped fucking trying to learn how to play this game better. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize in that moment, like how much I was kind of missing out on by having this fucking boring ass life. Mm -hmm. Definitely short term. You're better off working at urban outfitters versus being an investment banker who works 180 hours. That's probably too many hours. But if you're in an office all day, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. The difference is that for having a girlfriend, that's going to be tough to pull off when you're wiping down tables at Olive Garden. And, but the thing is, too, is you get later into your life and all of a sudden you want the stability and, and you want something that's really kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when I look back at those days, all that shit seems appealing, like just being in the house, being able to work on this game or whatever, versus going out and partying and stuff. I have all the opportunities in the world to do that now, and mm-hmm. I don't find it attractive at all. Yeah, you want to build something now. Yeah. That shift happens in your 30s. I remember just sort of on the subject, when I lived in San Francisco and I was working those minimum wage jobs, I knew I could go out and get pussy at a bar. I could get a cute enough haircut. I could go buy the newest spring fashion at Urban Outfitters, perhaps. I could go out and I could look good enough in a loud bar. I could I could keep my deficiencies, my financial deficiencies, secret for a night. That was no problem. So one night stands, I was good at. If the girl and I hung out again, two things would happen. One, we would have to get shit-faced. The date would have to be predicated on alcohol. But number two, I would pray that there was something wrong with her personality. I needed some sort of defect because if the girl was 
perfect, if she was had a great personality and she was funny and we were getting along, I would panic because I knew that I was in no position in my life that I, any girl would like me. So if I liked her a lot, it would be tragic because but, I knew she wouldn't like me and I would have to end the relationship. But do you think that you were being unnecessarily uh, you know, considerate of that? Because I feel like throughout my life, I've known tons of hot chicks who had like some skater boyfriend or some YouTuber boyfriend who was like really not doing that well, mm-hmm. but they liked him enough that they were, you know, willing to tough it out. I feel like it's not, it's not the end of the road if you're a guy. Mm-hmm. But I you may- might have really been that pathetic. I don't know. I was pretty pathetic in this fucking seven deuce offsuit penis. Dude. But I always had a lot of confidence, even when realistically I wasn't doing that good for myself because I felt like I was still doing way better than almost everybody else that I knew. Maybe it was because I was in San Francisco and other people's idea of success was so different from the path I was moving towards. Mm. And um, yeah, dude, I don't I don't think these chicks, these tech chicks would have gone for it. what I was doing. The chicks who have the loser skater stoner boyfriends, a lot of times I feel like they're sort of alternative chicks themselves. Mm. I feel like maybe they're in social media. They're. They're strippers or they're like in porn or something. They live an alternative lifestyle. Whereas the chick who was educated at an Ivy League school now who works in Manhattan, she's looking for a certain type of guy. Yeah. By and, the time women get to their like late 20s, that stuff really starts to become important. And that, mm-hmm. because that was something I remember from when I was even like 18, 19 is that, you know, I felt like I was starting to have my shit together or whatever, but I was I was losing out on chicks to just dudes who were in bands who were like wore cooler pants than me or like their haircut was cooler or whatever mike can you write that down for a hypothetical <laughs> band we need cool pants cool okay pants. tattoos cool pants but do we want to go like really tight pants or do we want to buy a bunch of like really baggy like weird patchy jeans like sydney's wearing right now sydney's wearing these like pajamas that have various patches and dragons on them where'd you find those we uh, Urban there we it all comes back to <laughs> to you fucking uh, you owe um, that's, that's something that happened recently. I guess skinny jeans are completely out and now mm. everybody's dressed like, like, uh, Rob Deerdick in an alien workshop <sighs> video. Everybody's out there with those baggy pants. I was pushing baggy pants hard, but now that I'm like losing weight I'm like, well, I'm not trying to fucking wear baggy ass jeans that made me look exactly the same as I looked before. Yeah. And you can't, you, chicks can't say you're bulge. Let's talk you know? about our jeans though. Like, I, do you feel like these fit adequately? Is this, is this an okay fit? I, I don't feel like they're too tight. You and I have basically the same fit going on. Right. It's the like same, the same fit of jeans. Yeah, yeah. You and I could swap jeans. Those would be a little baggy on me. These would be a little tight. What on are those? Thirty fours. Thirty twos. I think mine are thirty sixes. So yeah, that's a little, but they they fit our particular legs. Yeah, about the same. And it's it's also good for us too for guys who occasionally like to crack a funny, like to make a few jokes. Crack a funny. It's like we're not trying too hard right now. You and I, like we got some pants. They're intact. They fit acceptably. Like if Bossa Nova came in here right now, looking like a sixteen year old girl, because he dresses and and he basically he's about as hairy as a sixteen year old girl, which is not at all. <laughs> he's got a lot in common with sixteen year old. You've examined his hair. I bet if you spread his legs and looked at his asshole and nuts it would be just without a follicle i bet it would be face tuned but um oh wow that i saw a picture of a girl showing her asshole on the plane the other day it's actually a rapper's ex-girlfriend and it looked you want to see it yeah, yeah it I, actually I looked great okay really I, nice looking butthole but at the same time it was just so unbelievably obvious to me that she had really put in work face tuning her ass oh, cheeks and asshole Okay, this is so much darker than the rest of the photo. So uh, Adam showed me a picture. A, a girl is she's on a commercial flight and she had somebody sitting next to her take a picture of her fucking pussy and asshole. Sometimes on Southwest flights, 
She said she got banned from the airline for that, which I don't know if she's just saying that or not. That's uh, how zoomed in are you right now? I'm pretty really using both your fingers. So the there's a little bit of discoloration, but I feel like you're texting this to my mom right now. (laughs) That used to be. My, what are you doing? I'm I'm just looking at it. I swear I'm just looking at the just asshole. Still staring at it. That used to be the reason my mom's name and my phone is saved as her name is because in high school it used to be a thing where you'd grab people's phones and just say fucked up shit to their moms. Yeah, that used to be a thing. And so my my first instinct was to text that to your mother. So I'm, I'm glad I, you. I'm glad you don't away. know my mom's name, and I'm glad I don't have her <laughs> saved her mom. But you know, back in the day, one of my friends, shout out Catfish, maybe you'll meet him one day. He grabbed my phone and just Googled big black penises and then went on my Facebook and posted it. (laughs) And I was locked out of Facebook for like 24 hours. It's a light sentence. At the time, Facebook was really like, whatever. You could do anything on there, right? So it wasn't that big a deal. But when I think about that now, can you imagine if one of your friends did that and got your fucking Instagram deleted over it? Isn't that insane that... I might commit a murder. I, I remember in 2017, I picked up my friend's phone, and it had Face ID. And I was trying to change the song, because we were pre-gaming, and I wanted to put on, like, an Oasis to it or something. And I was like, what? What the? F- Why does it need to see my face? Why is it scan? What's going on here? My phone was completely unlocked. And locking technology on a phone was so foreign to me, because I had nothing you could steal or take, nothing of value. And, uh, yeah, like, that's... I used to go on my friend's Facebooks all the time. And just, it started out, of course, with a boneheaded, like, oh, I'm gay, let's fuck, uh, post. We used to go onto our friend's MySpaces and change it to gay or bi or whatever. Yeah, that's subtle. <laughs> take I like them, that. like, weeks to yeah. notice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of shit we would do. And then eventually it would get more and more artful. That's and crazy w- that you don't have to choose a, a sexual orientation on, on social networks anymore. Why did you have to do that on MySpace? They were progressive. They and, were ahead of their time. And you could be like in a relationship. It's complicated. All those options on MySpace. That was fun. The body positivity. There was more to love. Remember when you could select more to love? Yeah. It was like athletic build, slim, slender, more to love, couple extra pounds. So when I would be searching for girls on MySpace, oh, I would be searching. Days. I'd be searching like a four mile radius and I would specifically check not. I do not want more to love. I yeah. do not want any of these other things. Dude, those were... I'm glad MySpace got deleted because, I mean, the Me Too jeopardy I would be in. Not that I said anything that bad, but, I mean, there were some scummy messages. Think about that technology, though. Being, like, you're opted in when you sign up for MySpace, but you're able to go into the search and you're able to put in your zip code and look at every woman within a certain radius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this just feels like something that if this existed on Instagram or Facebook, that it would be extremely problematic for them and would probably enable a lot of stalking and harassment and all kinds of wild shit, right? I mean, geotags are pretty sketchy. Like, a, a chick does a sexy pose on the Santa Monica Pier, and anybody who has Instagram can see where she is when she posts that picture. Yeah. Sort of the same thing going on. Yeah, but, like, there's something about the fact of being able to view everyone who lives right near you. Like, I, I actually think it's great. Like, wouldn't you love to be able to look at Instagram right now and see all the profiles of all the women who are uh, within a half a mile of here? They would all be named Lupe <laughs> if we stood by my house because I live in a very Mexican neighborhood. Right. It wouldn't be too. But that is MySpace. Kids don't know. Like this jack off Mike cer- certainly doesn't know that when MySpace came out, that was like the second inventing of fire. Mm. Because we are, are men with these, you know, we just are loaded with with testosterone and jizz and the desire to fuck and for all of human civilization we could only act on what was directly in front of us that was the only way we could meet women and then this jerk off tom comes around and he's like hey 
if you see a girl with a nice set of boobies, you can just say like, oh, I want to fuck your face. But he, he just made it easy enough that everybody else could figure it out. Because I remember in like 1998, I had a friend who got on AOL chat rooms like way before everybody else. He had AOL, like all my friends at least. And he was fucking women off of like random old ladies oh, off of so AOL. Up now. Oh, yeah. He's actually one of the worst people I've ever met in my life for <laughs> sure. But he would be fucking old ladies on there. And not even just old ladies, but like whoever. Like I remember one summer him telling me that he'd fucked 40, 50 different women like off of AOL's chat rooms. And then like MySpace all of a sudden just made this so much easier. Oh, yeah. And like I had a friend who refused to get uh, – to get MySpace, basically, just thought it was fucking stupid because he was, this is 2003, and he was just, like, against it. And so we made a fake profile of him, and we started to go onto the search feature and just DMing tons of girls. And eventually, some of them were actually fucking with him, uh-huh. and that's when he actually became a MySpace uh-huh. user is because we already had all these leads queued up for him. And this really gives you a window into how much time we had yeah. at our disposal at that time. We did the same thing, dude. And I, I forget if I've told the story on here, but we used to make – and that was another thing is now if somebody makes a fake – image or a fake Instagram account for you or I, it's going to last for a couple of days. But back then, the kids at our high school, nobody, nothing was stopping us from making fake accounts and Photoshopping the pictures. Like there was this one dude, John, that my buddy, the story was this kid, John, that went to our high school. He messaged a chick or he commented on a girl's picture that my buddy Kevin liked. It was this chick at a beach and he commented this kid, John, like, it would be so much better if I were there with you, LOL. And my buddy Kevin, who had a crush on this chick, like Cynthia or whatever, freaked the fuck out and immediately made a fake account for this guy. And for the next two years, it was our obsession. Like, mm. we would just Photoshop, not Photoshop, we'd go on Microsoft Paint and cut out images of this guy, John, and, like, put them into pictures of like the popular girls at the school and the caption would be like three bitches I fucked this weekend ROFL uh, <laughs> laughing my ass off and we would start comment like a girl with this boyfriend who was like a linebacker on the football team it would be a picture of her and him together at prom and John would saunter in it was actually me and my buddy Kevin that guy looks like a pussy I'd knock that bitch out in one hit and pretty soon the actual physical John the real guy was getting like cornered at Denny's people at parties were breaking bottles over his head because we were running amok on this MySpace profile that we'd created and there was right. nothing he could do about it there was no recourse at all wow yeah no there was a lot of shit like that and th- <laughs> you just reminded me of a bad one that I had you want to know how I got my first MySpace deleted yeah so I had one and then I had to get another one the reason why was because somebody turned me on to this little uh, scheme that was going on at the time where there was a link you send the link to somebody. It looks like it's going to be a MySpace link, but then it tells you to log in. Now, uh-huh. at the time, MySpace was, like, kind of buggy and, like, full of shit. You probably had to log in all the time. You're already used to – it's not mm-hmm. like – if you have Facebook on your phone, you never have to fucking log in again, right? Mm-hmm. But so I'm on it. I, I, I have this link that basically just steals your username and password, and I'm sending it to all the chicks I know, and they're just fucking just filling out the information. And then I'm just, like, going and just reading their their messages on MySpace, which seems fucking crazy now. And it's it, it wasn't like I, like, was doing it in a creepy way. It was just, like, I realized I could do this. So I was just Damn. doing it and just, like, reading a lot of people's fucking secrets and shit. And then I had the bright idea to put it as a MySpace bulletin. 
and that's what got my account deleted because obviously MySpace is like looking for these links that they've flagged as. And at the time, the idea of even getting your account deleted, I had never even heard of it. Like I didn't know anybody else who had had. And, and it wasn't like I got my account deleted; it was just frozen forever, so people could just. I probably missed so many messages that got sent to yeah. that account because I had to make another one. But yeah, that was a. I don't know, dude. That's like in uh, the Dark Knight rises or the the one with the joker the batman where morgan freeman has that machine where you can spy on everybody in the city yeah that's that sort of power that's mel gibson and what women want that movie where you can hear girls internal monologue that'd be so interesting i remember being super let down because yeah because i thought it was gonna be so good but then i realized that most of the good conversations moved to like text or phone before they really got good like i would see a lot of dudes hitting on girls but not a lot of them like really getting into it back with them and then sometimes it would be like they'd be hitting it off and then it would just move to the phone uh-huh. so I, ne- I never really like found anything that good and realistically i was only doing this for like a couple of days before i got banned you didn't you no nuggets nothing juicy nothing you learned about how women see guys dming them or hitting them up online not that i remember at this point because it's pretty women it's they're fascinating creatures i feel like they're way more trustworthy than guys yeah i, I feel like that's one thing or at least maybe they used to be i feel like the internet has kind of beaten that out of them you think Instagram is like the death knell of all monogamous relationships? I mean, in order to be an Instagram user and in order to like meet up with people to potentially have relationships from Instagram, you have to really have some media literacy about you. You know, you're going to have to really be able to sort out whether this is a real person. Maybe you're going to have to FaceTime them, you know, like. A girl who's down to just meet up with some random guy off Instagram without doing like really assuring that this is who they say they are, it's gonna be tough, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, and the bigger the city you grow up in, the the more difficult that is. I remember when I moved to New York, I just realized like all these girls are infinitely tougher than the chicks that I grew up around because in New Hampshire you can kind of afford to just let your kids, you know, go walk around the block and like maybe go to the mall or whatever. There's all kinds of things that you could do that wouldn't be that big a deal. But then meanwhile, in New York City, it's like every parent who's even a halfway decent parent is feeling like their kid might be abducted on any given day. And Mm -hmm. so they have to be super on top of them. Mm -hmm. It's I'm reading a book right now about, uh, you know, Brad Easton Ellis. No. American Psycho. No. You don't know American Psycho? movie book with uh what's his name christian bale christian bale yeah, yeah okay i'm reading a book by that author right now he's one of my favorites and he's a, a gay dude who lives in la but he's like super anti-woke anti-pc well his new book is about him growing up in la and it's semi-autobiographical because he did grow up around here and that's what it's about it's about these high school kids that are living in empty bel-air mansions because their parents work until 11 p.m at night and uh around page 30 there was just a hardcore gay sex scene without any warning. I'm reading about two 16-year-old boys fucking each other in the ass in wow. a swimming pool. Some people will call that child porn. I might be guilty of, <laughs> of consuming child porn this weekend. I, I, I guess I would have to read it. I mean, ask like me how, what I did this how, how in-depth was it? Incredibly in-depth. <laughs> like, ask me what I did this weekend. What did you do? Read child porn. Right. That's basically what I did. Like, there was... It's written by a guy who's at what point at what point is that child porn? Because it's a dude 
in his 60s now, I think Brady Stanellis, writing about his younger self, definitely underage. He's, mm. he's 16 or 17 in the scene, and he's going over to this stoner kid's house who he thinks might be gay, but he's not sure, and he yanks the kid's swimsuit down, sucks his dick, and then fucks him in the ass, and it's written in acute detail, and it's about two 16-year-olds. But because this guy's like published books in the past, he has a history of writing literature. I guess that makes it art and therefore not porn. But if I found this on Reddit or something, it would probably be child porn. Yeah, it's all context. In context, I mean, if there's no, it's not really child porn unless there's photos. They don't like to call it child porn anyway. Either no, is that demeaning the child porn addicts? Like what is no, that? No, it's a, it's demeaning to pornography because pornography okay. is created consensually right uh-huh. if it's not then it's not porn so like if, if, yeah. you, if you kidnap somebody and lock them in your house and torture them sexually on camera uh-huh. that's not porn right that's like torture footage as you as a representative of the porn industry do you get like triggered when people say child porn no i don't care because i'm still working at not saying it anymore but what they call it now is i think child sexual materials or something like that it's, there's, there's another word in there i think that's more erotic anyway i like that it's, it's just weird uh-huh. so they're really gonna think you're a pedophile who's <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, find the camera dude i fuck i read my girlfriend a passage of this book i couldn't fucking believe it yeah i mean it's brad Stanellis. he's a mainstream author but he's just like fucking lots of underage boys in this book wait but it's you're convinced that this story didn't actually happen or you think he was admitting to it no, well, he in the story it was about when he was in high school. Okay, so it, they're both underage. Oh, all right. But I'm still reading materials, fictional materials based on real events about two 16 year old boys fucking each but other. Do you up ever have eyes. those conversations where you're talking about some sexual experience that you had in high school? Yeah, and like you're describing it, but you don't want to like seem too hyped on it because you're talking about like your 15 year old self. I've never pumped the brakes because I thought I was telling a child porn story. No, I have. Uh, it's just like a certain way where I don't think you can really talk about it. Like if I was talking about some threesome I had last week, yeah, I could be talking about how amazing it is. Yeah, but I feel like I got to be a little reserved when I'm talking about how much I was enjoying myself getting jerked off in tenth grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Cindy Dickerson after fifth period gave me a fucking hand job, and I was I was <sighs> kissing her, and her braces were cutting my lip, and I was feeling her underdeveloped titties. And I, I hate rock it. hard. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I fucking know. Can we finish this with Star Wars? Yes. This, this is what we talk about. This Star is what Wars we turned to after we both unanimously agreed that we didn't care about Bernie Madoff. We're gonna move on to something else we don't care about. Star Wars. But you watched all of them. I realized when I watched all of them, though, that they are pretty trashy. So I, I watched uh, what was it called? A New Hope. Yeah, the, the original one. one, which was not called A New Hope when it came out. It was just called Star Wars, right? I think it was called A New Hope. I think they added what do you A New know, Hope dude? later on. What are you, are you a Star Wars fan fiction? No, they did because they didn't realize it was even going to become a series. But it was uh, – they'd already established that the like the, the prophecy about what was going to save the four – you're just Well, they retroactively like added the name that made sense. All right, but it was when Wars. it came out, I'm pretty sure it didn't have the New Hope because I had to look it up because when you go to Disney Plus and you're looking at the movies, they're in the order that – you know, chronologically in the actual timeline of Star Wars, they came out. So yeah. you have to skip past like three or four of them to get to the first one that you're supposed to watch. I had to look it up on my phone yeah. to make sure that I was going to watch in the right order because I remember trying to watch Star Wars probably when I was in fifth grade and thought it was fucking boring and I turned it off. And I don't think I've tried since. And I have this thing in my head where it's like I watched so much niche content on the internet that i feel is probably not really that beneficial to me because it's like once you've watched 800 different poker stream videos it's just like 
this might be helping me understand the game better, but it's not really helping my ability to have conversations on camera. Whereas if I watch any random movie and then I'm doing a podcast and the person I'm talking to happens to have seen the movie too, we might have a 20-minute conversation about the movie. Now, granted, it's that's a little limiting for the audience because the audience, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to have to do a good job explaining it. And a lot of times if you have conversations about movies you've both seen and the audience hasn't seen it, it's like they don't give mm-hmm. a fuck. But in general, like increasing your pop culture awareness mm-hmm. is probably a good thing as a podcaster. So I've, a lot of times I'm, I'm trying to think more in that direction. Like instead mm-hmm. of watching the 800th poker stream yeah. video, let's watch something that everybody will know about. So I put on Star Wars and even when I got tempted to turn it off, I stuck through it and I watched it and I can now say it was stupid mm-hmm. and I hated it. And I don't think I'm going to watch the rest of them, even though I, w- I would like to. But it was really hard for me to sit through. Yeah. It was boring. Yeah, what do you think about that, Mikey boy, Mr. I know definitively what the title of the first Star Wars is? This is my main thing. Like, there's this end scene in uh, A New Hope where, you know, they all suit up in uh, these little fighter planes, right? Yeah. And they fucking are, they put on these orange jumpsuits, which if you go back to, like, old school movie making, this is how you, like, convince the audience that they were now dealing with a new scene. Is like, oh, now we have orange shirts. Mm. And so they take off and they have to destroy the, the Death Star or whatever. And I'm watching it, and without even consciously trying, I'm I'm pulling up my phone, and I'm looking at shit on my phone and stuff, because it's just like, for 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the movie, there's no narrative being advanced. Mm-hmm. It's just special effects. Mm-hmm. They're flying the plane. It's just, oh, look at that. Look what happened. That thing blew up, and now mm-hmm. this blew up. And it's just, there's like nothing being added to the storyline during that time period. And I literally like pick up my phone and look at it for 15 minutes and then put it down. And then the scene ends and I missed nothing mm-hmm. because I already knew how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. And the, the narrative didn't get pushed at all. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I just, I've, I've always had such a hard time watching movies that I feel like are, are getting by on special effects, which when you read about star Wars and why it was so popular, it's largely because of the special effects, which were amazing. And I know that they like remade it a lot of times over the years, but I don't know, man. It's the original Star Wars. I loved them when I was a kid because that imaginative environment was so new to me. And I think that's why it was so appealing early on, because that was so new. And maybe the original Star Wars trilogy is more important than it is good. Sort of like if you listen to a Bill Cosby or a Lenny Bruce record from the 50s and 60s, you don't really enjoy it. You can appreciate the craft that went into it and that it was the first of its kind doing these things, but you don't love it like you would love a Dave Chappelle or Louis C.K. set from right, today. because it's not topical. It's it's jokes that now seem very, very redundant or yeah. you know, dated. Yeah. yeah, or it's referencing some sort of protest or strike that's going on. But also, George Lucas is from Modesto. And what are we expecting from a guy who wrote a movie who's from Modesto? I don't know. Do you know where Modesto is? Not, not enough to uh, judge. I, Modesto is – I'm trying to how, think how I would describe it to a West Coaster. It is um, – well, it is a, a bumfuck farm town, okay. which I'm sure has a lot of uh, meth and gas station robberies. Well, I'm sure other people have accomplished things from these places, right? There's actually a startlingly high amount of important people that come from Modesto. Can you pull mm-hmm. a list up? Jeremy Renner, a bunch of NFL players. Oh, almost died recently. Did he? Yeah, he was involved in a terrible, uh, what was this, a snowmobiling accident, skiing accident? Yeah. I bet he was, that queer. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I'm very glad you're still with us, buddy. Um, 
he's he's from he's some fucking hick from modesto i actually read recently a little magazine on the making of the first star wars and everybody involved with it was super dismissive as they were doing it because he basically had to he had no clout yet in the industry he'd made american graffiti you know that one that movie it's about a bunch of kids that are trying to get pussy they race cars about it but no so he made that and it was pretty well received so he had a little bit of juice but not much so basically all like his his director of photography, all the people who were doing the lighting and sound, they're like, hey, who is this fucking kid making this mm. movie? Like, what's they kept calling the Wookiee the dog. They're like, yeah, let's get the dog thing over here and try that shot again. The guy, Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi, hated it. He thought the dialogue was terrible. He thought George Lucas was a hick. He wanted nothing to do with the project. It was like Pinkerton. Do they did the people who produced Pinkerton hate it? No, but. Well, yeah, eventually, because the fans hated it so much. Mm-hmm. The band hated it for a while, too. They wouldn't play it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's how Ben Kenobi was like Rivers Cuomo. But it's actually totally unlike that, because Pinkerton was like generally unpopular when it came out, whereas Star Wars was this gigantic success when it came out. Immediately. My thing is, yeah, I don't know. It was just, for me, it was tough to get through. It felt like, even even just the first scene, it's like, okay, so there's this empire, and then there's this rebel alliance or whatever. And the way that they're doing battle in space is that somehow one ship connects to another ship, and all these stormtroopers run in with these ray guns that shoot these red beams. Never at any point in any of this do you see what the red beams do to anyone. Mm-hmm. It, they just, like, bounce around, or if they, they hit you, I guess, it's just, like, a mm-hmm. push or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And I just refuse to accept that this is how intergalactic space warfare would take place, is mm-hmm. that people would be raiding each other's spaceships. Yeah. Like, no. We know how this plays out. You're going to blow each other up. You're not going to go get on there and try to invade and see yeah. what's going on. Yeah, one ship fucks the other ship. Basically. And then a bunch of extras run at each other and shoot little... But then R2-D2 and the other guy just hop into this little pod and they take off. And for some reason, they're in the desert. Very convenient, isn't it? Yeah. And I remember the second one. I watched. But they the just se- know how to do that? Yeah, they just they got it all. It's all figured out. The I know I'm not supposed to be taking all this like literally, but yeah. it left a lot to be desired for me. But they're saying the Empire Strikes Back is a lot better. So I'm kind of wondering if I should do that. But also, you should watch Kids. Because I would love to talk about that movie on here. Is that the skate movie? It's not the usual kind of movie about kids that you watch. This isn't a, this isn't children's. It is it is skate adjacent. Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, it, it's what's the term? I want to make sure I never call anything child porn again. We're gonna have to look it up. Okay, sure. We don't want to be insensitive. C something C S M. Okay, that's my homework assignment. Is I think to it's C S M child sexual material or something okay. like that. Uh. So that's what we're gonna try to get you to stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were assigning me homework for this week. <laughs> no. Okay, so I'm gonna watch kids. And gonna I'm gonna watch, watch Empire Strikes Back. I, I, do, I watched that too with my dad. That one was equally it. It didn't hold up because that's the one that everybody jerks off to. Everybody's like, really? Oh, the Empire Strikes Back. I was oh, wait- it's the best. I one. was waiting for Luke. I am your father the whole time. Yeah, you're going to have to but wait that, till Empire Strikes Back. That's why I, I started to think about that during this conversation, yeah. But also that one, too. Like, Luke's got to go get trained in the Empire Strikes Back, and he just like, his ship just fucks up, and he crash lands on a planet. He's looking for Yoda, and he happens to crash land directly into the right... Sp- and Yoda's like, Roar! Into my backyard, you have fallen on your X-Wing fighter. Now right. we must train you. Like, how, how plausible is that? I have another complaint. Luke Skywalker... His aunt and uncles are all incinerated. They get incinerated. Doesn't shed a tear. 
doesn't really show almost any emotion at all. He decides that he now believes in the force. But that's another thing is like, why am I, I why, why do I care about this force? They're talking about how magical it is the whole time. I'm like, okay, you have this stupid force that you've created for this movie. Why am I supposed to care about it? Yeah, and it's also like it's very like Christian. The imagery is very Christian. The force is power of prayer. Hey, we're in the future and we have these like this amazing technology, but somehow when me and you fight, we're both gonna produce these like glowing beams uh-huh. and just sort of bing bing <laughs> and it's just whack it. it it's sort of gay, right? It's, it's just so stupid. It, it's like two uh, the the gayest color like bright green and red. Right. It's like um it's like the, like I don't know, Jolly Rancher color and just the imagery of two colors. Clashing against each other right. while these dudes are wearing capes and speaking in English accents. I kept thinking about technology and how our current world compares to Star Wars, though, when I was watching it. Like, at, at a certain point, R2D2, like, sends this like he's carrying this message with him and it's princess leia yeah, yeah. explaining shit to uh luke skywalker and he sort of like beams it and creates this visual and i'm like well that's basically like a phone that like, he recorded a video yeah yeah and then now we could just do that with this and we don't need like a, a big trash can just sort of clunking around the whole universe yeah 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 hanging out with a, a fucking a thing that looks like a human and is completely gold there there is no like there's violence and there's shit blowing up, but you never see somebody like dismembered. Oh no, there's like a fight in the bar and he like cuts somebody's arm off and talking nice. shit. To I think him. that's Greedo. With, the, with, with the, yes, with the the lightsaber, boom, yeah, cuts the arm off. You're right though. The only people who really get fucked up are are Uncle Owen and Aunt whatever her name is. Right. And you're right. Like that is. I mean, you and I got a lot of shit this week for um, being unkind or being insensitive about House Phone. Uh-huh. But, I mean, Luke Skywalker, dude, you're right. Just just jets out of town. He walks up. They're incinerated. They're, yeah. they're burning, smoldering corpses are just sitting there. Uh-huh. And he's just kind of like, all right, well, fuck this shit. I'm going to go do battle with y'all. Did he even bury him? Because I feel like Jawas or Sand People probably came by and fucked their corpses. I liked, you know, at a certain point. I already knew it was going to happen because I'm, like, so familiar with, like, the sort of tropes that have maybe evolved from Star Wars that I'm watching Han Solo be this, like, cold-hearted dude who's a bounty hunter and he doesn't want to – he's not going to go help them do battle or whatever. And then it just so happens that he grows a heart and oh, he actually yeah. shows some character development and he does it. But it's, like, I feel like I've watched too many other movies that basically, like, parody or are based on that yeah. that it was, like, oh, I remember this from – a lot of other yeah. cinema. Yeah. They uh in the magazine I read, like sometimes when I'm at airports, because I have the same mindset you do that I need to learn new stuff for podcasting and for videos. So I bought a little one of those thin airport magazines on Star Wars. George Lucas said that that moment when Han Solo comes back to help them at the Death Star, he said when he first watched a test screening, he told himself, if the audience doesn't cheer when Han Solo comes back at the Death Star, the movie doesn't work and my career's over. Right. He knew that if it didn't work out there and nobody cheered or got excited, that none of the movie made sense. There was no emotional resonance and he was done. And he said in the 70s, when that test screen for the first time, he said the audience was going insane when Han Solo finally came back. Probably because that the whole thing like the oh yeah i know uh, i'm not here to save you and the princess kiddo uh, i'm here to save my own hide with my wookie like that right. tough outlaw kind of guy who ends up developing a heart has become so cliche since then but at the time that was you know a unique element of storytelling maybe yeah i feel like uh empire strikes back now having had this conversation i actually am kind of excited to watch it but i was trying to look up like good 
Star Wars meta. I want to find like the beige frequency of Star Wars, you know, something that'll really be deep in there and like tell me all the weird stuff that's going on that I don't know about. Because like, is the whole isn't Star Wars supposed to be like a metaphor for trans people or something? Or like, uh, there's no way that's or, true. Or was that like that's, Game of Thrones? There's no way that's true, dude. <laughs> or is it, isn't it like isn't it about communism or something? It's it was definitely about totalitarianism. Okay. Or I mean, maybe it was commenting on America too, like the Ameri- America and like England's imperial desires. I always but- have to like watch the movie and then like and consume it just as what's going on on screen, and then sort of pull back and like try to think about. Oh, okay. This is all about society. It's just being taking place in space. Uh, The new ones are probably because there's been three trilogies Mm. and the newest set of trilogies where like the chick was the lead and like the stormtroopers are black. That was probably about trans ideology. Mm. Yoda probably came like, young Padawan, before I can graduate you, announce your gender. You must. I like how all roads end with trans people in this podcasting environment we've created here <laughs> the doctor makes guess he does at gender at birth your true gender you find after you complete your training we should make a trans star wars <laughs> much money we will make <laughs> all right i had enough you good anything else we should know about i'm just gonna keep reading my child porn book and report back to you on monday good Thank you, everybody. Let me know you're fine. Mm -hmm. Danny Mullen, Adam22, Sledge Lords, Mm. we out.